You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Hey Amen. I love that song, don't you? It's cool how music can uh, just help our hearts to get in the right spot. Um, we're going to be uh, continuing. Actually, this is our last Sunday in our, uh, our series from the Book of Acts, Spirit-Filled People. And uh, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul again. We, we looked at him a little bit last week. Last week, we kind of looked at his approach and uh, sort of how he, the outward um, kind of context to his message, how he would contextualize the gospel depending on who he was talking to, because good communication is only good communication if it's received on the other end. And all the married couples said, amen. Um, But today we're going to be looking a little bit more at his identity and who Paul was on the inside. Identity really matters. Matters more than the outside, right? Appearances can sometimes be very deceiving. Uh, For example, uh, a couple days ago, um, you know, I play volleyball at the YMCA and I have these knee pads that you wear uh, so that when you fall, or not when you fall, but when you dive, uh, you don't hurt your... uh, you don't hurt your knees, you know, going for that awesome save that you get. But um, anyway, they were getting very, very stinky as, um, as sports equipment sometimes can tend to do. And so I was looking up online, you know, home remedies for stinky volleyball knee pads. And so I got, so it said to, uh, to, to put them in a bowl with vinegar and water. So I put them in this bowl with vinegar and water and the water turned uh, like totally brown water. And then uh, I was telling uh, my wife and my daughter about it, and they, you know, my, my daughters and my wife are both athletes, and they said, oh, you also need to put baking soda in there. That will absorb some of the stuff. So I added baking soda to the bowl. So it was brown water, and then the baking soda, like, fizzed and bubbled. And then I realized at the end of that, then I look, it looked exactly like a delicious latte. <laughs> exactly. It looked exactly like a delicious latte. So if some unsuspecting person had come into my house, I might have, uh, no, I wouldn't have done that. Marshall, Marshall Mead would have done that. He did that to me. I'll tell you that story another time. Um, but anyway, uh, appearances can be deceiving. And so what really matters is identity, who we are in the core, who we really are. And, I, and we're going to look at a passage uh, of scripture that I think shows Paul's character and who he really was. And uh, the end of Paul has him on, uh, the end of Acts has Paul on trial uh, Acts 20, basically 21 through 28, Paul is on trial. And, um, you know, as we look at Paul on trial, all of us are really on trial in a way, right? All of us, you know, we're facing uh, the, the trials of life. We're facing the challenges and tests that we go through that even God may allow to see what our character is made of. We're also tested by our coworkers or our our, our, our neighbors or our, uh, you know, if you say you're a Christian, you say you stand for something, the next thing is people go, okay, well, let's really see, right? And so your neighbors or your friends might be looking, let's see if this person is really uh, made of what they say they're made of. So we're all going through trials. And, and, and I, I asked this question last week, but, but as we're on a mission for God, as we're trying to do His will, you know, we might ask, what kind of mission does God have for me? The, the, the question should be, what kind of me does God want for his mission? And how can God use me the most? What should my identity be? What should my core values be? Uh, we're going to be looking at Acts 26, if you want to go ahead and turn over there. Uh, and then we're going to be spending mo- most of our time in Acts 20. I'm going to say a quick word of prayer, and then we'll uh, jump into the, the scripture. Let's pray.
God, thank you uh, to be able to open your scripture right now. I pray that you would communicate to each one of us what each of us needs to hear from your gospel, from the word. Thank you that we have uh, these stories uh, recorded for us. Thank you that we have uh, that Luke wrote down these things that happened in the early church so that we can learn from them and, and your church can, can be what, what you want it to be today. I pray each one of us can grow in, in understanding better who we are in Christ and who we should be in Christ uh, through looking at Paul and his example. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at three things we see about Paul. Number one, he was chosen. Number two, he was a servant. And number three, he was a witness. Paul is chosen. You know, Paul says to Agrippa, let me back up here and show this. Paul is before this King Agrippa. King Agrippa was a Jew, but kind of a marginal Jew. He and his sister Bernice, and, and uh, they grew up in the household of, uh, around Caesar. They, they grew up in the limelight. So these guys, Agrippa and Bernice, they were kind of like, um, you know, Kim and Kanye of their time. You know, they were like... Um, you know, the, the, everybody knew what they were doing. Everybody wanted to be like them, you know, it, although if they had power. So I know Kanye wants to run for president. So if Kanye actually becomes president, then it would be like Agrippa, okay? So that's kind of who he was. So, so Paul is, is talking to him. So it's a big deal that, that Paul gets to have an audience with somebody this famous, you know? Uh, and and that's, that, we don't get that when we read Acts. Oh, yeah, he's on trial before Agrippa because we don't think of anything of Agrippa. But back then, you know, Felix, Agrippa, uh, going, he, the, the book of Acts ends with him about to uh, talk to Caesar himself. This was a big deal to the Christians yeah. that Paul had audience with these huge figures in the world. It was, okay, God's gospel, even though we are nobodies, God's getting the gospel to these huge figures uh, in the world. And, uh, and, and, and towards the end of his story, Paul tells the story of his conversion again there in Acts 26 to, to Agrippa and Felix. And Agrippa says to Paul in verse 28, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And the word Christian there is one of three times it is in the Bible. And it's, it was kind of a derogatory term initially. So Agrippa's like, a Christian? You think I'm going to be a Christian? Like Christians, though, they're... You know, they're ridiculous, you know. And yet Paul says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. And so as we look at Paul's identity and these three things we see about Paul, you know, I want to have the same kind of, the, the same kind of uh, message that Paul had, that I want everybody to be what I am. And if, if I don't, then something's wrong with me, Right. But I want everyone to have what I have. I want everyone to believe what I believe. I want everyone to, to be able to, to enjoy the, the, the gifts that I've been given. I want everyone to have the, the understanding of God that I have. And so, so the mission of God and, and getting our lives out there to, is really just about exposing people to God, but also exposing them to ourselves and who we really are. And, and, and Pat mentioned this last week. Last week we were talking about how Paul was so adept at at knowing people's culture, and in Acts 17, he's speaking their language, he knows their poets, he's communicating in a way that they understand. And yet Pat said, yeah, that's all important, but really you just got to be yourself. And that's so true, it all, it all is about who we are. And uh, so Paul, first of all, he was chosen, and he believed that he was chosen. And you see this reinforced over and over in uh, the book of Acts. Here's just a couple things that, that Jesus says to Paul about his identity. He says, uh, Jesus, Jesus says to Ananias, because Ananias is one of the early Christians, that Jesus says, okay, I want you to go and help Paul out. He's, 
he's at this guy's house and he's praying and I want you to go to him so he can be baptized. And Ananias doesn't want to go because he's like, Jesus, do you realize who this guy is? Uh, he's been killing Christians. And yet uh, the Lord says to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Jesus is, is choosing uh, Saul right there in, in Acts 9. And we're going to see this fulfilled through the rest of the book of Acts. We see Paul uh, speak to the Gentiles. We see him speak to the kings just as Jesus said. But Jesus says, I've chosen him to be my special instrument. And uh, he has a plan for him. He has a purpose for him. That purpose is going to involve some suffering. I don't know if maybe he threw that in for Ananias because Ananias was like, this guy killed all my friends. And so Jesus is like, yeah, he's going to have to suffer. But, but he was chosen for a specific purpose. He also says uh, in, in chapter 22, this is Paul retelling his own conversion story in Acts 22. And Paul says, Jesus told him this specifically he says the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth you will be his witness to all people of what you've seen and heard you know Paul saw himself as chosen for this purpose Jesus says you are mine and he says to each one of you if you're here today God wants to choose you for his mission God has a plan for you, just like he had a plan for Paul. God has some plan for you to use you as his chosen instrument. You know, I'm a musician. I like choosing different instruments to play and, and, and seeing how each one has a unique sound or each one can, can produce a beautiful, you know, some beautiful music in, in some different way. And, you know, I have guitarists who are friends. They're always on a quest for the latest guitar and the next guitar and the next guitar. You know, some people, I've had my guitar for like 10 or 12 years now or something, maybe longer, and, and some of the guys that I'm friends with are like, when are you going to get a new guitar? Are you, you know, how are you satisfied with that same guitar for so long? And it's more of an, a, a matter of finances than a matter of, of interest. I would like to choose another guitar. But, 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 but I think of, of Jesus that way. He's my chosen instrument. Like, I want to do something with him. I want to make beautiful music with him. And uh, I believe that each one of us has a calling or a mission that God has for us. Yeah. Uh, Here's another uh, passage that talks about uh, the other two things we're going to talk about uh, in, in Acts 26. It says, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You know, again, this is why Jesus, this is why Jesus chose Paul was to, for these roles, to be a servant and to be a witness. Um, it feels good to be chosen, doesn't it? Have you ever had somebody choose you for a team or maybe choose you for a spouse or uh, choose you for a special dinner or a special uh, honor that you received. It feels really good. Wow, me? I get to be chosen? It's such a good feeling. It's also a bad feeling to not be chosen. I mean, I remember uh, in elementary school, I, I didn't have the, the best reputation as an athlete. And uh, at lunchtime, we would always play flag football. Well, it wasn't with flags, touch football, two-hand touch football. Uh, this was middle school, elementary school, and, uh, you know, all the guys are out there, and the way that it works is you pick teams, right? And there's two captains, and they pick, and, you know, and you're waiting for them to pick you, you know, and then it's getting less people, less left. And then the worst thing ever is when they're like, 
it's you and like three or four other guys, and they're like, oh, you can have the rest. Oh, I hate that. It's the worst. But, but even though I was small, I learned to be fast, and I learned to be spunky, and I learned to, to, to teach those guys a lesson on the football field. You know, you should have picked me, you know? Had some, ugh. Um, I was talking to my son Marshall about this. He could relate to this a little bit. Because he, you know, he, he was a, a great athlete in, in gymnastics when he was younger. But he tried different other sports, didn't really like them, didn't really take to it. And so he, at school, he's decided he wants to go out for the track team. He's a junior going out for the track team. He, he tried out a few weeks ago, right before the holidays. And when he would tell people, I'm going out for track, they would just kind of look at him like, oh, really? You? You know? You know, and Marshall's like, come on, you know? And so, so he started to get this, like, you know, this feeling of, hey, man, come on, you know what? And Marshall is really, really fast, those of you that know him. So he went out for track, and the first day was all long distance. He didn't do that great because he never runs ever, you know. Uh, he did okay. But uh, the second day was short distance, sprinting. And he said it was like I was fueled by, you know, everybody's expectations of me that I'm no good at sports. So I, that just fueled me. And he totally, the fastest guy, he totally beat that guy, you know. And uh, so, Marshall, yes. But, 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 you know, as far as being chosen by, by God for a purpose, you might feel like, God, why would God choose me to be a servant and a witness? Why would, I, my sin's too great. I messed up too much. I'm too far out there. I don't have, you know, what it takes. I'm not spiritual. I, I don't know the Bible. You know, there's all these excuses my, we might have. That's not up to us, right? It's up to God if he chooses you or not. And uh, his, Paul is a guy who was killing Christians. Anybody here been killing Christians? So all of us are more qualified than Paul, in a, in a sense, uh, because we haven't been killing Christians. So we're going to look at uh, a passage in Acts where we see these two qualities, a servant and a witness, displayed in Paul's character in Acts chapter 20. And uh, just backing up here, Acts 26, he's on trial before Agrippa. Backing up, I want to kind of give you the, an, another overview of, uh, of kind of what's happening in the second half of Acts. Um, so Acts 15 is where they have the council in Jerusalem because Paul has gone with Barnabas to these cities here, Galatia and these areas, planting churches. So all these Gentiles start becoming Christians. There's a question of whether uh, you become a Christian, do you also have to become a Jew? That was a real question for the early church because it seems like in the Old Testament, the Gentiles are, are mentioned a lot in the Old Testament that they will come, but it says they will come to Jerusalem and God will teach us his ways. And so at first reading, it seems like you need to become a Jew as well. So there was a real debate about it. But in Acts 15, it becomes clear, the Holy Spirit makes it clear that uh, to be a, a Christian, you don't have to also become a Jew in terms of following all the customs and all the religious ceremonies and all the festivals and, and uh, special observances of days and all that. But you did need to have a moral life. And so they give some moral uh, criteria. No sexual immorality. Uh, don't eat uh, food that's been sacrificed to idols. Just have a moral life so that you can interact with the Christians who are also Jewish. So that happens in Jerusalem. Then after that, Paul and Barnabas split ways, and he goes with Silas, and he goes back to this area, but he goes even further. Then he's called by a, a, a vision to come all the way here into Greece. And so then he's, he's in these areas, and then he ends up in Athens. We read that last week in Acts 17. Then he goes to Corinth. 
then back to Athens. Then he ends up over here in Ephesus. And that's uh, important to uh, chapter 20 because in Ephesus is where uh, he, he heals this, this girl, the servant girl who has a, a, a demon and she's able to predict the future. And she keeps telling everybody, listen to these men. They're from God. That seems like a positive thing. But she's saying it over and over and over. And Paul gets so annoyed that he casts out the demon. It literally says that. <laughs> Paul was so annoyed uh, so, hey, even Paul got annoyed, right? Um, so that when that happens, this guy who is earning his, his living from the servant girl, he gets upset and he starts a literal riot. So there's this huge riot in Ephesus and it, it ends up, uh, they're all in this uh, theater there in Ephesus that is actually still there. You can still see this theater where the riot happened. Paul wanted to go into the theater and talk to all of them, but the people are so riled up. The brothers and sisters are like, no, 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 no. You can't go in there, Paul. You can't go in there, Paul. So they keep him from going in. Uh, but there, there's this riot in Ephesus. And then he ends up staying there for a while and, and helping them. And uh, So anyway, he decides while he's in Ephesus, I got to go back to Jerusalem. And he says he, he's called by the Holy Spirit. He's called by Jesus to go back to Jerusalem, go back to his roots. So we see the, this expansion of the gospel, you know, from here, Ju- Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, you know, spreading out here to this is kind of the whole known Roman world. uh, Acts eventually ends with Paul in Rome. But before, to get to Rome, he's got to go back to Jerusalem. So he's on his way back to Jerusalem, and he calls these Ephesian elders to meet him. He doesn't have time to go into Ephesus, but he wants to meet with them. So he's right here on the coast. So they come all the way from Ephesus to Miletus to meet him, and that's where we pick it up here in Acts 20, 17. A side note here as we read this, notice how much this sounds like Paul in his letters. Those of you who read the Bible a lot or who've read Paul's letters, that gives credibility to the book of Luke that, that this is real, like these different speeches and these different sources that Luke used, because this really does sound like Paul. You know, it really does sound like his letters. Verse 17, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. 
Now I commend you to God and to the work of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. You see so much in, in this relationship. You see that the church is not about a building that you go to. It's not an event that you put in your schedule. The church is a family that you belong to. And, uh, and, and so, you know, if you're visiting today and, and, and we're, you know, we're talking about our mission, we're talking about our purpose, we're talking about helping other people, it's because we are so thankful for this family. We want everyone to be a part of the family of God and to have their sins forgiven and to have a purpose and meaning in life. And, and uh, you know, we hope that you'll be a part of this family. And, and we would love to, to open the Bible with you and help you understand this is a family. And we're not just, we don't just see each other on Sunday, but we're, we're involved in each other's lives during, during the week. And, and this is the kind of relationships that were in the early church. And you see this here with Paul and the, the elders of Ephesus. They had been through a lot together. It bonded them together. They were, they were so sad they wouldn't see Paul again until they were all together in heaven. But we're going to look at these two things about Paul's identity within this passage, that he was a servant and that he was a witness. So first of all, he was a servant. Paul says in verse 19, I served the Lord with great humility, with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. When he says that word serve, when I, I serve the Lord, uh, that, that Greek word is uh, duleo. It's, it's the same word as a slave. He says, I was a slave to God. To God. I was a slave to Jesus. I, I belong to him. And so being a servant means that we, we, we relinquish our ownership and we give that to God in, in, in trusting him. Like, like the song that we sang, let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and winds still know his name. Uh, and, and we can look at that in a negative way, like, oh, you gotta, you know, you're, you, you, you gotta give it all, and, and, and you're, you're no good, and, you know, God is good, and you're horrible, and, you know, or we can look at it in a positive way, like, I get to depend on God. I get to put all ownership in His hands. I get to trust Him. I don't have to figure it all out, right? I'm a servant. He's the master. And so Jesus tells all these stories about a master who leaves town and he leaves his servants in charge. And that's who we are, Jesus says, as the followers of, of Jesus and, and as the church. We are these servants who've been left in charge. We, we have a mission. We have responsibility. But he is the master. He is sovereign. And what that does for you, if you have this perspective, I'm a servant of God in everything I do. Not just when I'm here at church, but in my job, uh, at my school, in my neighborhood, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of God. That gives meaning and purpose to anything that you do. Right. If you think about it being, I'm a servant of God in this place. Yeah. I'm a servant of God in this situation. It gives meaning. It gives purpose. Uh, for example, um, I shared uh, with the, the teens and uh, the, the campus students, we had a, uh, while all the marrieds went away, for uh, their marriage retreat, the singles campus and teens had a, uh, had a worship service. And I sh shared about this job I had had uh, cleaning dorms over the summer. And dorm rooms are very, very disgusting, especially when they haven't been cleaned for nine months and have had, you know, dorm 
students living in them. And this, this one I was in was like the party dorm, you know, and, I, and I'm cleaning these dorm rooms. It was very nasty. It was horrible. It was disgusting. But, but I, I felt like even though I was cleaning dorm rooms, it had meaning and purpose because I was doing it so I could stay in Boulder. I could continue to be a part of the campus ministry there and support myself. I could be in a Bible talk there uh, over the summer. And Dustin and I were in a Bible talk together. We were being trained uh, to lead a bi- our own Bible talk. We were being trained by Jay and Carol Kelly. Uh, we were being mentored in our dating relationship. On the job, I was sharing my faith with the other uh, janitors I was working with. Uh, you know, I, I was learning some great skills. I, I even learned some skills I still use today for how to, I know how to strip a floor. I know how to, you know, the, the, the janitor woman that was in charge, she always talked about the corners. It's all about the corners. If you clean the corners, then you get everything clean, you know. So, so even though it was a mundane job, it had purpose because I saw myself as a servant of God. In that, in that situation. And I mention that because prob- probably none of you have a job as mundane and disgusting as cleaning dorm rooms. But whatever your job is, you can have purpose and meaning there if you view yourself as a servant of Christ there in that situation. Amen. It also gives, meaning, uh, it gives significance to just how you arrange your life, how you do your schedule, how you, uh, how you treat your home. If you are a servant of God, it means like, okay, I want to be organized with my schedule because my life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. I want to give my life to God. I want to spend my life uh, helping other people, meeting with others, having discipling times, having people in our home. You might go, you know what, honey, we're going to clean up our house so that we can actually have someone over. You know, you know, Uh, a lot of us have that situation where we're like, we we don't want to have anybody over because the house isn't clean and then we don't clean the house because you know we're busy so you just go okay we're gonna have people over every friday night this year or we're gonna make saturday night our hospitality night whatever it is so then okay we're gonna clean up our house we're gonna set our situation up why so we can be a servant of god all of that stuff it's it's all about being a servant of god you are a steward of your finances you are a steward of your time you're a steward of your gifts and abilities uh all of that, your body, your car, your relationships, your future. And these are the things that we can become worried and anxious about. And yet if you see yourself as a servant of God, it kind of takes that away because you go, I'm going to seek first the kingdom with all this stuff. And then God, God works it all out and God uses you instead for a greater purpose. It doesn't belong to me. I'm a slave of Christ. Jesus is Lord. That's the confession we make when we're baptized. Jesus is Lord. I appreciate um, Martin and Tina Chires. Um, Martin and Tina were a part of this ministry when it was the, the Palos Verdes ministry. They led the teens. Our, 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 those of us, some of us remember those days. Uh, they mentored some of your kids or they mentored some of you, Catherine Peckman. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I love them. They are servants of God in everything that they do. And they're transitioning. They've been leading, they were leading a, a, in the uh, West Side for a long time. Uh, then they started leading us, one of our smaller Spanish ministries. And they really feel called by God to something else. And um, they're going to be moving to San Diego. And uh, Martina has taken a job with Hope Worldwide. Uh, and, and he really has a passion for helping people who are, who are, are, uh, are, are trapped by just life and some of the things going on. And so they, they organized, uh, uh, many of you know, we, we sent out a video where he collected some supplies that they could take down and help some of the migrants, the people who've come up seeking asylum from Central America. And uh, I want to show you a video. The, 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 the Tijuana News uh, covered what they were doing. And just want to 
kind of give you an update. And in terms of what this means for, for being a servant of God, to me, it's if you are, are serving God with everything you have and, and, and every opportunity, people are going to notice and it's going to make a difference. And we really see how this, this is making a difference there, what they're doing. So uh, I'll show you the, the news. And what I asked Martin to do is I said, can you just send me a voiceover? Because this is in Spanish. Can you send me a, you know, a voice memo and then I'll, I'll put it underneath. So we're going to hear Martin's voice, but we'll see the newscast uh, from Tijuana. Los Sábados de Esperanza. Así llaman los integrantes de la caravana migrante al grupo Hop Tijuana. Greetings, Costa LA. My name is Martin Chaires, and on behalf of El Mensaje, Hope Tijuana, and the migrants that we are continuing to serve, wanted to say thank you for your generosity and for your donations. Uh, your generosity continues to impact and serve and bless the migrants uh, every Saturday since your donation. Uh, we did have the opportunity for some of the members of El Mensaje uh, to visit. Um, a few days after the donations were given. And I just wanted to encourage you uh, that we uh, were able to bring about 50 boxes filled with uh, different things that are obviously essential uh, for the migrants uh, during their situation, uh, as well as we were able to feed over uh, 1,200 uh, of the migrants. And every Saturday since, uh, about the same number of migrants are being fed with the donations that were given through Coastal LA. It is quite remarkable what Hope Tijuana is doing. Uh, the migrants refer to the Saturdays when Hope is there as uh, Sabados de Esperanza. And it is quite an honor for us as Coastal LA to be able to participate in serving uh, those that are in a very complex and difficult situation. Hope Tijuana and the Tijuana Church send their gratitude to you, Costa LA, for your generosity. As they continue to serve the migrants, different opportunities are presenting themselves for the migrants to build a relationship uh, with Hope Chapter, and some of the migrants are visiting church and studying the Bible. The Tijuana Church and the Hope Tijuana Chapter, along with your generosity, are a reminder of what God's redemptive work is all about. Thank you. Amen. It's encouraging, right? So uh, be praying for Martin and Tina. They uh, are moving down to San Diego in just a couple weeks. Mar uh, Tina is looking for a job, so you can be praying that she finds just the right job where she can really be used by God um, in the secular world, uh, but uh, that, that you know she, she, they would find just the right spot to live and all of that. Be praying for them. Second thing we're going to talk about is being a witness. So chosen to be a servant, chosen to be a witness. Um, you might not know this, but the, the, the word witness in the Greek is martyr. And pretty early on, there came to be this idea of being a witness and, and being a martyr, giving your life in a, in a very physical way, uh, you know, dying for your faith, uh, like Stephen did in Acts 7. But uh, being a witness, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul was such a powerful witness. He says, nothing else even matters in my whole life except this. That's pretty profound. You know, that challenges me. You know, what, can I say this is my only aim? This is the only thing that matters. I consider my life worth nothing to me except this one thing. 
Boy, that's, that's a challenge, isn't it, to think about having that perspective, that intensive a witness that this matters so much. It's all that matters. His, Paul, Paul was, had a singular focus. He was streamlined. Um, you, you know, but, but the thing about being a witness, if you really did see, if you really are a witness, like in terms of a trial or, or, or giving testimony, where is the authority? The authority is in the event. The authority is what you saw, right? The authority is, I, I'm pointing, a witness means you're pointing to something else. And Paul wasn't, his authority wasn't in himself. I, I'm, I'm so awesome or I, I have it all figured out. It was, no, I've seen this. I saw Jesus himself. And so I got to tell people about this. And then I see in the Old Testament how Jesus fulfilled all of this all of these scriptures in the Old Testament, Jesus perfectly fulfilled. This is amazing. I got I to gotta testify to this gospel. You know, you and I, we have seen a lot. You know, we, we are witnesses of, of God, that his amazing design in the world, the way that he created the whole universe. We are, are witnesses of the fact that God's way works. When you follow God's way in, in marriage, in parenting, in relationships, in, in, on your job, it really works. It makes your life better. Uh, it, it makes relationships work. God's way works. You can trust him. He always, always comes through. We've seen this again and again. We've seen the deep relationships that can be possible only in Jesus. Amen. You know, when, if you're a, a guest, we, 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 we get together and we read the Bible together. And, 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 you know, when somebody wants to become a Christian, what we'll do is we'll say, okay, we don't, we don't have like an altar call and say, come forward and say a prayer. We, we try to be more like it was in the, in the Bible where they, the people walk together and they follow Jesus and they learn the scriptures. And so we try to go a little deeper than that. And we get the scripture open and, and talk about the scripture and talk about our lives. But it's interesting when you study the Bible with someone like that. We call it studying the Bible, but it's not like you're studying for an exam. It's just you're opening the Bible and you're reading it and you're talking about your life. But, but so many times, and those of you who've been around a while, you know, when you study with someone, they'll tell you, man, I've only known you guys for a week, and yet you're my closest friends. Yeah. You know, I've only known you for two weeks, and yet I I'm telling, telling you things that I've never told anybody because there's just this depth of relationship that's only possible through Jesus and through the Bible. And, uh, you know, we're witnesses of these things. We're witnesses that, that Jesus came to bring life and to bring life to the full. There's no better life you could possibly lead than that of a Christian following Jesus. I don't know why everybody wouldn't want to be a Christian because Jesus is amazing and his teaching is amazing and his way works. Uh, he gives us life to the full. And we all know the converse is true, that, that the thief, uh, Jesus says, comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're witnesses to what sin does in people's lives. We're witnesses to what rebellion does in people's lives. And when you go, oh, I'm going I'm to rebel against God. I'm going to show him, you know, it never works. Uh, people, they, they go, well, I'm mad at this brother, so I'm leaving the church. We're witnesses of what, that hap what happens in their life, you know, when you try to rebel against God. Uh, we've seen these things. And so we, we need to stand with authority on what we've seen and what we've heard. I can't help speaking what I've seen and what I've heard. You know, when, when, it, uh, when, it, when I was thinking about the condition of people's lives around us, you know, that God calls us to be a witness to and how we can sometimes ignore, you know, the mission that's right there in front of us. Um, there was a video that came to mind that I saw uh, a few month, a month back or whatever when, when we had the fires, you know, in, in Malibu. And it was an intense video because this woman is trying to run away from this fire. And you might have seen this online uh, she's trying to get away from the Malibu fire, and, and she, it, the, the intensity in her voice 
and uh, the intensity of the situation is just right there, you know, on her, on her cell phone camera captured. And it just reminded me of this is what a lot of people in our communities are experiencing spiritually, that, that people are, are trying to flee the fire that's all around them, uh, you know, that Satan is bringing their life crashing down all around them, and they are desperate. And so we, we need to, to be faithful witnesses to those people. So I want to watch this video. Think about that as, uh, as you watch this. crazy, isn't it? She did escape, you know, thankfully. Rebecca Hackett is her name. Uh, but I just think that intensity, that that's the spiritual reality that's all around us, whether people are aware of it or not. Some people are aware of it, and they're saying, please, God, help me. Please, God, help me, you know, in this relationship, in this in, in this situation. I mean, what did I do? I'm, I'm stuck. And Others are, even worse, are not aware of this spiritual condition, but that's all around us, and so we've got to get out there and make a difference in people's lives. I think we, we can just get so self-consumed sometimes. And, um, you know, I had this dream on Thursday night where uh, it was like this apocalyptic dream. It was kind of like this. You know, there was, there was these floods, and there was fires, and, um, you know, there was, uh, I was in this hotel, and this tsunami came, and all these people were dying. But I was in the hotel, and I was trying to, like, I was trying to have this comfortable vacation in the hotel, like going to the pool, and, you know, it's, it's like there was this total disconnect. You know, I'm in this hotel trying to go to the pool and order room service, and there's, like, this flood and tsunami going on. It was a weird dream. And I was like, God, what are you trying to tell me, you know? But it, it made me think about, I can live my life like that sometimes. Like, I'm just trying to be comfortable. I'm trying to enjoy life and everything. But, but people are dying and going to hell, you know, all around me. People are, are, are lost. And so I've got to be more open to uh, being a witness. I've got to have that focus Paul had. He said, this is my only aim. And look what he was able to say uh, to the Ephesians. He says, I declare to you, I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim. Uh, boy, that's challenging. You know, can you say that at your school or uh, in, on your job? Or I certainly can't say that in my neighborhood. I mean, there's people I've reached out to, but I can't say I'm innocent of the blood of any of you because I have not hesitated to proclaim what I've seen and heard. 
Uh, that's a challenge. And I'm not trying to be down on you, and I, I don't want, you know, you to, oh, I'm no good. I'm, I'm just saying we need to rise to this challenge. You know, God has chosen you to be a servant and a witness. And, you know, I want to confess as we're talking about doing more to reach our community, we're talking about uh, splitting into different geographic areas with our church services on Sunday, talking about trying to, 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 to get out there and, and make a difference in our community. There's part of me that feels afraid. You know, I feel afraid of getting hurt. I feel afraid of getting my hopes up and then somebody doesn't want to become a Christian, you know. I feel afraid of pouring my life out for, for, for someone and, and studying the Bible and then they reject me, and the, you know, because that's happened to me before. Uh, and it's happened to me several times. I'm afraid of getting someone and helping them become a Christian and then they leave God and they fall away and then I, oh, I'm just so hurt. You know, I feel those fears and you might feel some of those fears too. Uh, but I've been chosen to be a servant and a witness, and it might mean some suffering, but I've got to do it. I've got to get back into the battle. I've got to go back and go back into the fire to save other souls from the fire. And uh, I, I want to show you one more video. Uh, this is from the different fire that was going on at the same time, Paradise Fire, uh, and uh, these are some amazing firefighters. Just and then, through can the see, darkness, look at their example. two lights appeared. A firefighter driving a bulldozer responded to Jessen's call for help and started clearing an escape route. All of a sudden, the bulldozer, who I swear to God is an angel, was the one who came through. I don't know where that man came from. I mean, who does that? Who drives into the flames? He did. He called him an angel? Called him an angel. He saved all of us. Her angel was bulldozer driver Joe Kennedy. So I was taking the burning cars and pushing them off the road away from the people in the cars that weren't on fire. Sam Layton was behind Kennedy in another fire truck. Both opened their doors to let people in. It was a blessing and a curse to go to that fire, but I'm happy that I was there to help people. Layton, Kennedy, and the strike team took nine civilians to safety, then turned around, went back in, and saved more. Isn't that intense? He went back in and saved more. You know, that's what we got to do, guys. You know, those of us who are, are disciples, we've been chosen to be a witness, chosen to be a servant. You know, we got to put our lives back out there this year. And I want you to envision, we have the workshop next week, as, as Steve mentioned, and I want you to envision the workshop next year, a year from now. You know, the workshop in 2020, having a friend with you that you helped this year become a Christian. You know, having someone with you that you saved them from the fire. God used you as a servant and a witness. It was his work, but God used you, you know, because you went back into that fire and you helped somebody. I want you to envision who that person might be. Uh, that, that is with you at the, uh, the 2020 workshop. Uh, coworker, neighbor, fellow student, they were running from God, from God or they were in the fire like that one woman we, we saw, but, but God used you to, to rescue them from the fire. Uh, a couple assignments for you here as we close out the book of Acts, uh, if you choose to accept them. One is an individual and one is a group assignment. Uh, the individual assignment would be to read Acts 20 through 28, the end there, and just look at Paul's character. What, what would you like to imitate about Paul's character? Um, I wrote down a lot of things, but I don't have time to share them. But uh, one, 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 one word that came to mind was indefatigable, indefatigable, indefatigable that Paul was. I like that word. He couldn't be stopped. He was relentless. 
But see what stands out to you about Paul as you read through that and write down some things you can imitate. Uh, the group assignment. Uh, the scripture on the board or on the screen there is uh, Acts 20, 21. Paul says, I have one message for Jews and Gentiles alike the necessity of repenting from sin, turning to God, and having faith in our Lord Jesus. So some point, uh, you know, in the next few weeks, I encourage you to get together as a mission group, mission point, and, and talk about those three things. Uh, repenting of sin, you know, has there stuff that's gotten back into your life over the holidays or whatever that you need to confess? You know, guys get with the guys and the girls get with the girls. Number two, turning to God. How are you going to turn to God in, 2020, in 2019? You know, what's your, your, your relationship with God going to be like? And what, what steps are you going to take to make it awesome? And then uh, having faith in our Lord Jesus. What is your faith level right now? And I'll remind you of this on Wednesday. We're getting together on Wednesday for prayer and singing. We're just going to pray and sing together. No, no lesson, but I'll remind you of this verse. And, and we'll spend some time on Wednesday as well, kind of talking about those three things. Uh, but lastly, we're going to have our last South Bay story, the last one. And uh, one of you is sad, at least one of you is sad. Some people have really liked these, others have not liked them. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the idea of this, just so, so you know, um, it's something new. We've never done this before. Uh, Jackie forwarded me a text from somebody that said, what is this? Is this like an interview? It seems like a press tour. Um, so it is, yeah, it's different. It's something new we're trying. But, but and it is kind of like a press tour. It's a way of kind of knowing people better in a short amount of time. And we're using this format, which is the conversational interview format. It's used by... Um, it's used in, on news magazines, it's used on news radio, it's used on cable TV. So it's, you know, we, we, we believe that we can take some tool of communication from the world and use it in the church, uh, use it for Jesus, right? But, um, but this, is, this has been a way to, to hear kind of conversationally how somebody became a Christian. It's not quite as deep as a prepared testimony, and we're going to continue to have those. But it's a quick way of kind of hearing how somebody came around the church. Uh, and uh, that's helpful to know or, or to be able to share with somebody because on the job or at your school or whatever, you know, you, you want to be able to tell somebody in just a short few words, this is how I became a Christian. So it's a valuable thing to practice and it's a valuable thing to know. And then we've also been able to hear about different aspects of our ministry and different people and kind of what they do in the ministry. So I just want to remind you who we've heard from because some of you haven't been around for, for these. And Marshall offered to make a playlist of the different uh, South Bay Test, uh, South Bay stories we've had. So we're going to hear, hear from those. This is our ninth one today. It's going to be Rick Huerta. So Rick Huerta, you can go ahead and be making your way. Can you grab those two chairs? I'll just tell you who we've heard from, uh, just to remind you. Sandy Rutherford was our first one. She shared. She was the first Los Angeles uh, conversion in the Los Angeles Church of Christ. So we got to hear a little bit more about the history of our church and kind of where we came from. Brian Catano uh, was one, and he, we were able to hear a little bit more about tech ministry, that he serves in tech ministry, as well as mentoring uh, young people. Uh, Christine Bengard uh, was one, and she, she's gone on many, many different hope trips, and so we were able to hear about all the things that hope is doing around the world. And, uh, you know, th that was really inspiring to hear about that. Rico was one, and we heard a little bit more about Hollywood, <laughs> you know, because Rico is uh, working in Hollywood. We heard a little bit more about his story, uh, some of the loss that he's been through, his perseverance as a single dad. Uh, we got to hear, and that one, uh, by the way, I wasn't here. I was celebrating my 25th anniversary, 
And uh, so I was grateful for our streaming service because I watched the service by the pool. I've never done that before. So my memory of Rico is like I'm sitting there in the pool watching Rico on my cell phone. That was a different way of doing church, but it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we heard from Ramona. Uh, with Ramona, we heard about youth ministry. We also heard a little bit about the process of grieving because uh, Ramona ha has gone through a huge loss, and so it was helpful to hear more about grieving. With Justin Monteclero, we heard about student ministry. Uh, we heard about winter camp and, 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 and recovering from abuse, that, that Justin is, is an abuse sufferer and, and recovering from that. With Caesar, we heard about first impressions and, uh, and the media ministry and how important that is in our lives. Julie Hernandez, we heard about uh, what it's like to be a single mom in the church. We heard about dating in the kingdom a little bit and the story of her and Pedro. Uh, Jen Rusty, we heard a little bit about volunteer administration and a little bit about her crazy background, which I didn't know about. That was cool. So anyway, we're going to talk to Rick, and, uh, and then Rick is going to give us a scripture and prayer for communion, I mean, uh, for the uh, offering after this. So. so Rick, let me grab a, let's grab these mics here. So Rick uh, became a Christian a long time ago. When I first moved here, it was the end of 92, beginning of 93. Rick was in the campus ministry then. And uh, so I remember those days. I think you were at Harbor, right? Harbor College? Yeah, Harbor College. So uh, you were leading a ministry there at Harbor back in the day. So, But uh, tell, tell us a little, how did you come around? How did you join the church? What's the quick version? <laughs> all right. So, um, and the, this is just security blankets. So I won't go through all of it. Just kind of just helps me to kind of guide my thoughts. But um, so I grew up in San Pedro uh, and... Um, uh, I went to like four different elementary schools and, and that's kind of, and then two different middle schools and then high school and then going to uh, community college here. I went to Harbor, El Camino. I was in a tumultuous high school relationship um, where I would kind of go to El Camino and then that person would go to El Camino and then I'd go back to Harbor and then she'd go to Harbor and I was like, this is not working out. Like I got to get on with college. And so I moved in with roommates down in San Diego. My I, A goal that I had I went to Grossmont College, but the goal that I had was a, kind of a worldly goal, kind of like a, um, I wanted to go to, the schools that I applied to were uh, Chico State, Fresno State, and San Diego State, and so I was kind of seeking God. My background was growing up in Assemblies of God uh, and Catholic Church, so I did have a foundation with a group called the Royal Rangers as far as scripture, like God being a, a base there, but um, the goal meaning like I wanted, I had this kind of chip or edge on my shoulder, I was like, I want to go get uh, an education, but I want to have a great time. And so God told me, and that's, I think the Aztec bar at San Diego State was like that, this is it right here. This is where I want to be at, you know? And so I didn't know if I was going to be in Northern California, Central California, or Southern California. But um, so I ended up at Grossmont with a group of roommates that I'd grown up with in San Pedro, about five different roommates. And God, uh, you know, just, I got met the very first week at Grossmont uh, by a guy named Jeff Roy. I got shared with, so God had totally different plans. Um, and then, uh, I found myself that very first week, August through a study of the Bible, August through December, that felt like a lifetime. The pattern would be, I would study the Bible just to backtrack a little bit. I ended up in, after I got shared with, I ended up in jail in San Diego, San Diego County jail for shoplifting. Mm. And so I had this deep, one of those prayers, like the fire there, like, <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of like, God, God, like I, I had to call my mom to bail me out. Um, she had said, I thought you were going down there for school, you know? And so, uh. I go, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying here and I need a little bit of help to get out. And so uh, 
you know, I prayed that I'd get met again by this group of disciples or, or wow. have a heart open. I got met by another guy named Mike Zamar, who was roommates to the original guy that met me. Wow. So going to Bible studies. And, That's a pretty um, big college, right, to be met by two roommates? It is. It That's is. Awesome. And so uh, study, the pattern would be I would study and then um, go out. And it was very, you know, we know San Diego is very close to TJ. There's a street called Revolution Street, if you guys are, you know, know that area or whatever. But so I would study the Bible and then go out with my roommates. And it was just kind of like what you had shared is to see the deepness and the love of the disciples growing in those relationships, but at the same time trying to be loyal to the friends that I've known since elementary school and being roommates with them. It was such a, such a difficult Torn. time, you know. Um, so the three things that kind of impacted me in the Bible studies were just the love of the Christians. It was a basketball time where... Uh, couple guys would go out and play basketball and what I did is I got the um my roommates to go play basketball against the Christians you know and so even just seeing <laughs> even seeing the weakness who, of, who won these yeah, exactly <laughs> there were some Christians that could ball so there was like a brother named Jamie Ballard a brother named Steve oh, Stride yeah, but okay. Steve would take me to a place called Tierra Santa um a rec center in San Diego to go play basketball with like kind of staff I think it was more he wanted to be there with the staff but that was a cool reach out but I think meshing the um my my roommates with the christians and seeing the example there was even one time where a, a disciple i even seen them say a colorful word you know sports will do that it'll kind of bring out something it was a curse word you know i was like oh my gosh so you don't have to be perfect right like i'm trying to figure all this out like studying it's like oh it's not like perfection i mean and sports will bring that out in you sometimes if you ever compete deeply or whatever but or hard or whatever yeah so like, um like me in football yeah there you yeah. go <laughs> But it, it started getting to my heart. I was like, this is cool. And then my roommates would use a colorful language the entire game. And so I was like, okay, this is not cool. Okay. Um, the other thing is, um, I think the basketball, there was this uh, brother by the name of James Counts that came in November. James and Tanya Counts, they came down in San Diego. So I was converted in, in San Diego. But um, there was a situation where as I studied the Bible, we uh, were roommates were all playing dominoes in this, uh, uh, in the, you know, in the living room there, and they came, they were drinking beer, 40, 40 ounce beers were the big thing at the time, we're listening to gangster music, like just kind of rap music, right, mm -hmm. and I thought James Counts is going to judge this situation, he's going to take off, like in this situation, he's probably going to not stick around, he pulled up the head table, you know, and he's like, wash them bones, all right, and that's a term <laughs> in like playing dominoes or whatever, right, <laughs> and there was a certain song by the Ghetto Boys, he was from Houston, from the Houston church, he came over, and uh, it was a song, some of you may know, my mind's playing tricks on me. And I literally felt like I was living, like I was, there was certain words in that song that I was like, my mind is playing tricks on me, you know? <laughs> what am I doing? And so um, he would say, oh, you like the ghetto boys? And yeah, yeah. And so in a situation where he could have been very judgmental, he just went in there and just loved the situation. And obviously he didn't participate in all the drinking or the colorful language or whatever, but played dominoes, engaged. And uh, I cool. just felt like my heart... Um, got moved that night because I was looking for kind of like what you said trials I was looking for I was putting the Christians on trial like just leave just leave me like just go mm. and to they kept you, like to give you an excuse kind of yeah kind of because it was a difficult time but uh I got baptized uh, January 1st the other thing is a uh, honesty one uh situation where I was going to go out with the group to TJ um there was a brother named Steve Stroud where I committed going to a devotional Friday Friday 7 30 where like the king the typical like campus devotionals at San Diego State and so uh, I I'd, I'd committed that I would go and then um, 
he came to my front porch to pick me up and we were all our group was going ready to go out and in front of my friends in front of kind of the group he said you're lame you know (laughs) and I'd been cursed out I've been called a a million things before right but uh, no one's ever told me you're lame (laughs) so I went out with my friends and we're going out and everyone's going what's wrong you know we're in TJ and everything and have trying to have a good time and I'm like man I just I don't know I'm lame like that's Like, I am lame. And so it just helped me see I am not a man of my word. Like, yeah. that just bugged me. Convicted and so, you. Yeah, and so um, I just, I don't know. I don't, that just right there is a night I'll never forget. Like, I am so lame. But, <laughs> Amen. But, it's cool how God uses different situations and different things. And I uh, appreciate your vulnerability. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. awesome. That's inspiring. Then, I just ended up getting baptized January 1st at La Jolla Cove. Very cold water at 11.45 p.m. on January 1st. This is uh, 1992. 92. Okay, so when I met you, it was right after you got became a Christian. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, man. Congratulations. So, uh, well, I know fast forward to now. Yeah. Like you, uh, I know you spent the last, you spent 2018 really getting in shape and uh in your health, uh, inspiring a, a lot of us. How much have you lost? I know uh, you put it on this Facebook. Chal- so yeah, through this I... challenge, it was a total uh, on the final way out was 77 pounds That's in incredible. like six months. That's incredible. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> our, our deacon of health, you know, is, uh, cheering you on. So how, how has the, the, you know, your body uh, being healthy, uh, how has that translated into spiritual you know, your walk with God, is, is there some kind yeah. of correlation at all? Well, first of all, I want to thank like Jen Roosty, Christina Juicy. It's it starting our mission point where they were kind of um, going to this gym and it was called Camp Transformation. And so they, they, they would, you know, we would have our mission point and Jen would come in in her sweats and stuff like that. I was like, okay, get <laughs> here, on, be on time to mission point, girl, you know. So anyhow, anyhow, she was doing great. And uh, she, you know, bought me this pass. But the, my journey started with that. And I knew I wanted to do something, but um. I think in connection with God, um, not only do you go through a physical change, but you go through a mind change and uh, um, reaching out to people, like getting uh, the relationship. Once you have like a goal with the group, because everyone goes in with a certain uh, certain timeline with six weeks losing 20 pounds. So you start developing these relationships and pushing each other. So that that's a great thing. But um, mm-hmm. I think just being able to, after a workout, like you breathe, you kind of like a uh, where the Bible says, be still, know that I'm God. Like you're able to breathe a different kind of breathing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a good exhaustion. You get better sleep. Um, I don't know how to explain that, but it's a, it's an incredible sleep that you get. Um, and so you wake up more energized and earlier in the morning. And so it's your whole transition happens uh, physically, mentally, spiritually. And I don't want to get too, you know, but that's what happens. You know, I actually have a lot more energy to get up earlier and um, there's less people out there. It's dark. It's awesome. And I just think maybe as Jesus walked hmm. all those miles or whatever. Right. That's probably what, you know, he was probably in great physical shape himself. But yeah. <laughs> to uh, to get up early and to be with God. But um, and I think also being out in nature, um, some of the exercises I do, you go out and you just see God's creation and you want to hmm. be out there and you're just, you, you, you know, you're just blown away by what God's created. So wow, I don't know awesome. if that makes sense at all. But Yeah, it's super inspiring. I, I just... It makes me think about the mind soul body connection and how the bible really has value for for all of it you know and uh so that's really inspiring so i appreciate that so i know uh you have a scripture to read for us for uh, our offering and pray for our offering and uh appreciate appreciate you sharing so let's give uh, rick a hand yeah. thanks. thanks for listening to the south bay church podcast 
for other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 